yeah. I don't know. I guess it's sort of like delusion. <laughs> Welcome to The Lavender Lifestyle, the podcast on personal growth and lifestyle design. My name's Eileen, and I'm here to guide you to become a master artist of life. Every Sunday, you'll get new insight and inspiration on how to create your dream life. After the episode, the conversation continues in our Lavender Lifestyle Facebook group, so I can't wait to see you there. Life is an art. Make it your masterpiece. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Lavender Lifestyle. It's Eileen. Today's episode is a lighthearted, fun one with Sierra Cotto. Sierra is an LA-based comedian and writer. She first began performing stand-up at 16 and was the youngest comedian featured on season 9 of Last Comic Standing on NBC. Her stand-up was also featured on Last Call with Carson Daly, Laughs on Fox, and Acting Out on MTV. In addition to comedy, Sierra moonlights as a freelance full-stack web developer and holds a degree in computer science. Listen on to learn how Sierra built her career as a young comedian, the mindset that kept her going, and how she balances both comedy and web development. Hey Sierra, welcome to The Lavender Lifestyle. How are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So you're based in LA too, right? I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you? I didn't know that. Yeah. I guess I should have known (laughs) that. It's okay. (laughs) Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. So I'm so excited to talk about your background story because, I mean, you're you're so interesting. You're a stand-up comedian, but you also went to Harvard, studied computer science. I mean, I guess let's start with comedy. Why comedy? How did your love for comedy begin? Oh, let's see. I guess like I, you know, my family was always really into comedy. (laughs) Just from like a fan's perspective, I think, you know, my Mm. grandfather was like really funny and my dad's funny. My mom's funny. You know, I think so all along the lines of just like respecting people who are funny and thinking that that's like a valuable skill. I think that's where it comes from. But like, I didn't really know stand-up was a profession until I think I saw I think one of the first stand-up specials I ever saw was Ellen DeGeneres's special a while back which is funny because she just came out with a new yeah, one. Yeah she has a new one. Yeah mm-hmm. which I still have to see. I think sometimes I get a little like overload on stand-up so I like don't watch yeah. a lot for a while. <laughs> but, yeah. But yeah so I think hers was one of the first and it just kind of was surprising that that's even a job. <laughs> kind of a job (laughs) and yeah and so then I like kind of got into it through wanting to just be funnier and in like normal life as well I wasn't ever class clown or anything but I think I always aspired to be (laughs) so Mm -hmm. so yeah so that's probably how I was drawn to it as a fan first Uh and what was your first time performing stand-up what made you like put yourself on stage because there's a distinction between being a funny person versus like I'm gonna go on stage to tell jokes sure yeah I mean I guess like what I like about it is you can kind of just go to a comedy club or open mic or whatever and do it in front of a bunch of strangers and nobody you know reports home about it right so like (laughs) I think I just liked the anonymity of it if you're going to like a completely separate place not not telling your friends you know and just performing but granted I think the first time I went I was 16 so I like don't think I had my driver's license even at the time so I think my parents came you know (laughs) with me so it was definitely like they're being very supportive and they still are but it was funny because yeah I think I just did an open mic it was at Flappers which is like a comedy club in Burbank out here I don't know if you've ever heard of it Mm -hmm. it was new at the time and they just had an open mic so I did like three minutes it actually went over fine which I think was encouraging but also Mm -hmm. you know not always the case (laughs) thereafter yeah and then my family was there to support so it was kind of funny now looking back at that I don't know why I thought that was a good idea but 
but yeah and and then since then I think I I just enjoyed that and it gave me enough courage to go back and keep doing it so that was important so your family sounds like they were always supportive of your comedy right which that was something I was wondering too just being Asian American like how did your family feel about you doing comedy oh totally yeah I mean because I started in high school so it was sort of more of like oh what a fun hobby like I played basketball and then now then I quit and then now I'm doing stand-up you know it's like that sort of thing Mm -hmm. so I don't think they thought it was going to be a career move and probably yeah still are questioning that (laughs) but no but I I'm very lucky I think over because I started young and was sort of like this gradual build of like well I'm still in college parents but Mm. you know I'm not exactly sure if I'm gonna do the usual track of like applying to the typical jobs I might just go for like sort of the entertainment who knows if I'm gonna be hired route so yeah so I think it was a a nice gradual build where by the time I was ready Mm. to graduate college I was able to like have a pretty frank chat about the fact that like I'd probably be doing comedy more full-time than before and trying to support myself in other ways so then that was Mm -hmm. like a little scary but I feel like they you know kind of saw it coming a little bit and they're very supportive in the fact that they're not like trying to discourage me I think there's Mm -hmm. just you know it's an unconventional path I think parents want a want safety for their kids overall so so yeah so I think there's always that but there's never really like a huge amount of like absolute discouragement which is really I think rare I don't know yeah I'm grateful for that for sure yeah no I think that's really nice that they support you and I mean you did go to Harvard and you did study computer science do you still work as a developer on the side I do. Yeah. So that's what's kind of fun. It's like I love to code and stuff, but I don't think I was my heart wasn't in it to the point of pursuing it as a career. So it's fun because I can do it as a freelance thing. And it's like, you know, Mm -hmm. for extra cash, which is awesome. And then on top of that, it's sort of like Mm -hmm. a good different way to put my brain on something, you know, Um, I think with comedy and and writing, especially it's it's a pretty daunting thing for me. And I'm just and I'm still learning, you know, and so then if I need a break like it's kind of interesting that like the break can now be the thing that I used to do for work you know so yeah yeah, and they're different oh so you're saying so computer science is your break from comedy kind of yeah well because I'm not doing anything super difficult when I'm freelancing so it does feel like it's being able to I don't know have a win right like I think in (laughs) entertainment there's like a lot of rejection there's a lot of like unknown and it's very Mm -hmm. scary but that's what also makes it exciting for me but then with the sort of safety of freelancing it's something that I'm like I know and it's not too challenging and it's not the end of the world if it doesn't work out kind of thing it's nice to have that as like a backup way to I don't know do work feel like I'm accomplishing something without really like putting anything on the line yeah and I'm curious how is it to be pursuing two very different things at once how do you I guess what percentage of your time goes to comedy versus your freelancing oh yeah I would hope most goes towards like 75 percent would go towards comedy stuff granted sometimes it's not always true you know if I need to take more of a break or like I'm uh, some freelancing deadlines Mm -hmm. are coming up but yeah maybe that's the breakdown on average if not more swayed towards comedy but yeah and then to do multiple things at once I don't know I guess that's like kind of it feels normal because I because I know there's such an emphasis right now on like specializing and and finding that one passion and and for me that maybe on the surface looks like comedy but I do feel like over, you know, over the course of our lives, like, you know, when you're a student, you're not just a student, you know, you're also doing other things. And, and Mm -hmm. so it's kind of built into our schedule and built into like our our mindset. And so for me, it's like, it felt weird to just totally surrender to one thing suddenly after turning a certain age, you know? And so I think I 
like doing multiple things and feeling like I don't mm-hmm. have that yeah that I'm not completely cornered yeah I like that too because it just shows that humans we're so multifaceted we're actually capable of doing so many very different things but totally I guess in society we're taught to like just stick to one label which like you don't have to you know what I mean so because if you call yourself a comedian and people see you as only that then they're gonna have their biases and judgments and stuff but people are so much more complex than just one label oh of course yeah and I think it's like it's sort of our own it's like our own survival mechanism to see other people as just one thing you know because it's easier for us to remember maybe or something but that's totally not the case ever it's like that's just how we see other people Mm -hmm. and so we try to do that ourselves you know yeah do you also see this in other I guess your friends in the industry other comedians or just anyone in entertainment do you see them pursuing things that are like opposite of what they're doing as well yeah I think so I mean again it's sort of a thing maybe where the people I'm closer to so I know more about them I see it more and so I think Mm -hmm. it's the case that like that actually might be true for everybody but the folks who I like (laughs) only see from afar you know maybe on social media or whatever like they're only maybe looks as if they're only attacking one thing at once right but Mm -hmm. for I'm sure you know it's just a matter of getting to know somebody better so so yeah so with some of my like closer friends who are also pursuing entertainment it's a lot of like this is our dream but to support it maybe there are other things we do or to like support it not just financially but also you know mentally like that's maybe why I freelance and why I do have other hobbies you know they like yeah. one of my close friends he does have like another job for financial reasons but also he has like another job just teaching kids like martial arts and I feel like that for him it's just sort of like an escape rather than an actual like mm. oh I need the money from this job as well you know so yeah so I always thought that was really cool because it just seems like another different way to just let out a lot off steam yeah, or whatever yeah. do something completely different yeah. and then come back to other things fully recharged yeah I like that too you do need a break from creativity sometimes like if creativity is your job you need something outside of that to like get your mind off of it and get inspired in like another way I think totally totally so I'm curious do you think being Asian American hindered or helped you in your comedy career because there are a bunch of stereotypes and I know it's not easy to break into the industry but there's also this like amazing Asian American community in LA especially so how do you feel about that yeah oh totally yeah I totally agree yeah there's I mean especially now right I mean you mentioned this I remember in your video and like the fact that Mm -hmm. oh it's just been a really awesome year and I've just seen that like reverberate throughout the community like there's yes one of my former bosses and like just somebody I really look up to who's a comedy writer her name's Jessica Gao she like organizes this Asians in entertainment kind of meetup thing once a month and it's like very casual but like I think it really only started let's see so she started it last year and there have been things like this of course in the past and everything but I think it's just like blossomed so much Mm -hmm. more in the past year I think because more people are excited and whatever and and it's just really cool to see and I think the sense of like oh man you know there's a there used to maybe be more of a sense of like there's only one spot so we got all like battle each other for that Mm -hmm. spot and like now we're finally seeing like or you could just fill a whole movie with Asian people and nobody's gonna complain you know so I think that's really changed the game people just feeling like way more generous and way more yeah connected and so that's been great and like a huge help and I really stand by the fact that I think that it's overall positive like I think to have that community Unity. I really never connected yeah. as much until I entered into maybe like entertainment and comedy 
with the Asian American community because we are such an even further minority. I grew up in La Cunada, which is like a suburb mm -hmm. in LA, outside of LA kind of, and it was like 40, well, no, probably 30% Asian, I think, in the high school. So that's like pretty big. I was having a great time. You know, we were, yeah, we, no, nobody amount. was having any racism <laughs> issues well that I noticed. So, so mm -hmm. I felt like, you know, I was happy but not necessarily like cherishing the community as much as I do now you know and maybe that's something that also mm. came with like going to school out of state and like yeah entertainment industry stuff but it's been great I think there are of course the setbacks are there but they're getting smaller you know and I think it's like the comedy and the stand-up community is like a primarily mm -hmm. straight white male dominated thing like many industries so yeah so you know so there's that it does sometimes come through but I think that like over the I guess once I you know when I started when I was 16 it was a very different world even in the stand-up community and now it's way mm -hmm. more inclusive and I think you can find your your group your your tribe like in the way yeah. that yeah it's Los Angeles is huge too there's so many comics so it's not like you have to hang out with the like five guys who do it you know there's like <laughs> thousands so you can always find your your person and stuff yeah. so yeah that's good to hear I, I do think that it's getting better and better and I think it just takes time to get like you know Asian Americans in the writers room you know people like creating the content and then totally. I mean for you ha have you seen like improvements in like more auditions more opportunities things like that yeah I think so I mean my sample size is pretty small but I you know so maybe I could it could be attributed to anything but mm -hmm. but yeah I mean because I, I guess I've been auditioning for stuff for like the past couple years or so and like I've only really ever been asked to do like an accent twice I think out of quite a oh, few yeah. so I mean it still happens but and then I you know and I read the character and it's not like it's some really like butt of the joke racist situation it's just like oh she's an exchange student okay well I guess I can try you know but uh yeah. but yeah there's no way I'm actually like doing the real accent so <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing yeah, but yeah, um yeah. yeah yeah so like but I think compared to you know if you ask an actor who had been doing it for way longer like or just in the past they that's all they could go out for now I see a lot more roles for characters that that are just all all across the board you know and they're they're taking a chance and and being like oh let's maybe try to cast this as an Asian person an Asian woman you know so that's already a big leap yeah yeah and I mean I'm sure this next year it'll it'll be even better just because it takes a while for everything to catch up to like you know, people are catching on, oh, okay, mm -hmm. that Crazy Rich Asians movie or whatever, and then people will start writing more stuff. And I do a lot of writing and stuff, too, and it, it seems like among writers and other people who are kind of trying to create their own story, like, suddenly everybody is feeling like there's been a lot more receptiveness out there mm -hmm. to even read their stuff, you know, so that's yeah. huge because it is kind of a gatekeeper-ish situation a lot, so it's better if they're more open. Totally. Today's sponsor is Drops. Drops delivers powerful, eco-friendly cleaning products right to your door. I personally love using laundry pods. They're super easy, just pop them in with your laundry. Well, Drops invented the laundry pod and then they made them even better. There are no fancy swirls or dyes used in their products. Instead, Drops offers a plant-based, chlorine-free, biodegradable way to take care of your home and the environment. My favorite part is that their products are packaged and delivered sustainably. They come in a plastic-free, compostable box that doubles as the shipping container. The packaging is so genius for reducing waste. I shared it on my Instagram because I was so excited about it. Plus, their products are also cruel 
cruelty-free, never tested on animals, and manufactured in the U.S. supporting local jobs and fair wages. If you're looking for a more environmentally friendly way to do your laundry, try Drops. Visit drops.com slash lavendaire, that's spelled D-R-O-P-P-S dot com slash lavendaire, and enter lavendaire at checkout to get an extra 30% off your first order of convenient, plastic-free, and eco-friendly cleaning. Every Drops counts. So can you share your favorite experience in your comedy career? Because you've gotten on amazing shows like Last Comic Standing. You've just done a lot of cool things. What has been the best or favorite? Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I Last Comic Standing was really cool. Like, I kind of grew up watching it. There was, like, it kind of had been on the air and then off the air and whatever. But I got lucky getting on. And it was really only, like, a day of shooting. Is that right? Yeah. But it was cool because, like, the judges I looked up to and the... I guess producers were really nice. Wanda Sykes was one of them, and she was a big hero of mine, so it was cool to meet your heroes, you know. Oh. Yeah, and, and it was just a fun thing. Yeah. I got lucky in the sense that, like, I was also young, and it didn't really, you know, it was, like, nothing mm-hmm. to lose, you know, as long as I didn't, like, I yeah. didn't die on stage for some reason. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so it was, like, very cool. That was just, like, an overall fun experience. I just, like, I don't know. I think there's, like, been cool times where things happen and then a lot of it I'm like trying to be grateful for like the little things too so like little shows where you connect with the audience member who you know maybe didn't even see Mm -hmm. before right it's just sort of a sort of those smaller moments I think I'm trying to be (laughs) more grateful for too because the big moments happen but they're very few and far between you know and it's Mm -hmm. a long it's a long haul so (laughs) so yeah the small shows count too totally yeah and speaking of performing, in my eyes, comedy is one of the like hardest professions in entertainment because you have to like fail over and over and over again. Like you have to perform a lot, and people won't laugh, and you know what I mean. You totally. you have a lot of those experiences, so I'm sure a lot of people give up because it's so tough. So how did you overcome that criticism or failure? What motivates you to just keep showing up and performing again? Oh yeah, I don't know. I guess it's sort of like delusion. <laughs> like anything you know just being being delusionally fine with failing and getting up and just being like yeah nobody saw it you know have you always been like that though like kind of lighthearted about failing you know not always and I still am not like it's a lot of talk because I think ideally that's how I want to run my life but of course Mm -hmm. like I take it hard when when I have failure I think like what I've learned though too is that so this is like what I talk about a lot but it's kind of embarrassing I like always used to be involved in student government when I was like a kid (laughs) so it's like a lot of elections you know it's like very weird thing to want to do but I for some reason was really into it and and I would often lose and I think I would always I think the first time I lost was like a big deal to me and that was like a failure and it's like a pretty clear failure but then my whole thing was like I ran again the next year or like still did some menial duty or something in the student government that next semester and then I ran again and then eventually like I won later you know or whatever so I think that was like a good way to learn early that like you know public failure is fine and like people forget you know it's not like it actually matters to anyone and you know everybody's in their own world or whatever so you can look at it that way too but I think since then I've just always been like ah, you know you got to fail and then you got to get up and that's like the more fun part. And 
sometimes is like the more I, I respect that in other people if they're yeah. like able to fail get up again and then keep going that to me is sometimes more impressive than like the wins you know so applying that to my own thinking I'm like okay I'm just gonna yeah. do what I can do and then if it doesn't work out like it's not the end of the world and probably people will forget the next day even if I don't you know mm-hmm. I love that you said that people forgot because I've realized that too in my own life I've wrote this somewhere in my journal once that like if you let failure stop you then that's going to be like the last memory of your efforts Mm. right but if you just like pick yourself back up and keep going like people are going to forget that you failed and you might even forget that you failed at that point (laughs) you know because you just kept going and it's not like the final end like it's just a little blip in your journey yeah yeah that's great because yeah if you keep writing Mm -hmm. your story like then that's not the end (laughs) exactly so I think it's yeah it's just a reminder to everyone out there to just if you fail or you if you fall just get back up just keep trying no matter what yeah that's awesome I love that yeah I just wanted to bring this up as a random point real quick because I was looking through your Instagram Mm -hmm. and you bumped into Taishi and Chicago from Terrace House oh my god yeah (laughs) (laughs) I would be equally as excited to see them Oh my god! It was... Sorry, because you seemed really excited, and I was like, "Oh my god, that's so cool!" Oh, uh, oh, definitely. Yes, I'm so happy that you're a fellow yeah. <laughs> enthusiast. Yeah, well, obviously, big fan of the show. Like, watched all the mm-hmm. all the episodes, just waiting with bated breath for the next um, release. But yeah, same. I um, <laughs> yeah, like I went to the Orange County Japan Fair. And I saw, like, Chicago, she was dressed up sort of among other women who were dressed up in, like, kimono-type situation. And she was just, like, they're taking pictures with people. Mm -hmm. So you just, like, take pictures with them if you want a little picture. But I was like, oh. Uh, We were like, oh, that looks like Chicago. Yeah. I was with my sister, and she's also a huge fan. So we were like, hey, it kind of looks like her. But but she had extra makeup on, so I think it kind of also didn't quite look like what we remembered. Uh, So then I came back. So then, whatever, like, move on. And then we saw Taishi. So then you're like, oh, this is no coincidence. Like, they are together. <laughs> so then it was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, spoilers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You haven't seen the last I mean, that was yeah. like an so older then, season. I know, but yeah. I know. They've got to catch up. But <laughs> yeah, so then we ran out and then took a picture with them. And they were so sweet. But also, like, I don't know if they didn't. Like, I was like, you guys are so famous. Like, you must know that this happens. This is going to happen, you know? But they seem surprised yeah. or confused. Like, they thought we just wanted a picture with, like, the Aww. women. And I'm like, no, both of you. Like, this is... You guys are celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> it was exciting. They're so funny. Taishi is so extra. Oh, my God. I can't believe they're still together. Oh, my God. I know, right? <laughs> but I, I really do like Chikako. Yeah. Totally, totally. Yeah, she was a favorite. I mean, yeah, it was just, it was like seeing, you know, the biggest celebrities I've ever seen. <laughs> it's so funny because Terrace House is it's kind of like a cult favorite, would you say? Yes, I don't know how many uh-huh. people watch it, but... As a comedian, like, why do you love it? And why, like, I don't know, I guess international audiences love it, right? Why does it work? Because it's kind of, like, subtle and mundane, right? Oh, totally. It's so, like, nothing happens. But that's what the brilliance of it, I think. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, I like the, I love the comedians in it, you know, the commentary people oh, yeah. like they're so funny to me and I love the fact that they're like just Japanese comedians and they have like even with the captions they're still funny so I really enjoy cutting to that part and I think I like that style I know that's like a pretty common mm-hmm. Asian style of television where they like cut to commentators during a lot of stuff I've heard but I I really didn't I wasn't familiar with that but I love that format just because when I'm watching yeah. something it feels like I'm watching with somebody you know and so it's like watching YouTube yeah. videos and then you want to like scroll down to the comments to see if anybody noticed that thing that happened right oh my gosh it is totally and so like 
Oh my gosh. That's what I love about it. I feel like there should be more shows like that. It's true. Like, I love the format. It's so different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, (laughs) yeah. And then I just like, you know, what you said, like the mundaneness of it is like really refreshing. Because I think I used to watch a lot of like Bachelor, Bachelorette, but I kind of stopped. Not for any like particular reason. I just kind of like would get bored. But then I think it's such an antithesis to that. Like the fact that there, it's not like they're not egging them on to like do anything it feels really just natural not at all (laughs) not at all pushed natural yeah so so yeah I like that about it I don't know do you have any favorite parts of it (laughs) (laughs) I I just love like the awkward parts and the 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 subtle dramas where either it's like passive drama or I you know what I learned about Japanese people is they really like to solve their problems they're very good at communicating Mm. right if something yeah. comes up, like, they address it. Totally. Yeah, yeah, right? they do. They sit at that table yeah. and put it out there. <laughs> that was interesting to watch. I, I don't know. I like it for a lot of reasons. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Even if it's... Because so, sometimes there are things where it's, like, small problems, mm-hmm. they will bring it out. Even, like, exactly. I would kind of ignore it at that time. Or I'd be like, oh, it's not worth bringing it up, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Okay. <laughs> so I'll move on for... <laughs> The young aspiring comedians out there listening, do you have any advice for those people or maybe advice that you would give to yourself maybe like 10 years ago? Yeah, I don't know. I guess it's, well, it's definitely a good time to go for it. I mean, it always is, but I think definitely I've noticed that if you're going to go for it, go for it, you know, very much in the self-confidence realm of things like you do really have to believe in yourself that's what something I've learned is like if you don't believe in yourself nobody else will and that's very cliche (laughs) but I remember Mm -hmm. I mean I think yeah it's just like I in other places you can maybe get away with going through life being a little bit having a lot of doubt and then maybe other people will champion you and like that could happen if you're you know working really hard I think in comedy and entertainment like that won't always be there people may not notice what you're doing because everybody is you know vying for attention and it's it's a very it's kind of saturated things like that so so it is important that if you are into it that you really do believe in yourself and you put yourself out there and you know that yeah and you kind of like hold your self-worth highly (laughs) because it's easy to get knocked down and then on top of that I think I really have found it useful and again very cliche but to keep it about the work you know I think it's hard Mm. especially now with social media and stuff like that it's Mm -hmm. it's easy to I don't know get worried about the next like thing that you can post about (laughs) or like yeah the sort of the the labels on your resume things like that so those things aren't as frequent or maybe just not as predictable in the comedy world or in the entertainment world as I've learned so like it's important that if you're gonna do it mm-hmm. it shouldn't be based around getting those checking those boxes but more around like the work and the journey and all the things that people say yeah. <laughs> but truthfully yeah totally so now I have some Facebook questions from our audience so the first one Pamela asks how is it like to go from being practical or logical to creative in the hats that you wear from like freelancing as a web developer to a comedian yeah I mean it's it's probably not too, as different as it sounds like I think a lot of the practical logical stuff gets still applied to like the creative stuff you know because it's, it's still kind of a business so you have to be you know pretty regimented about like okay well I'm gonna write this you know what jokes do I have and like what am I gonna say tonight and how can I arrange those in a way that's gonna work here and you know, if I'm working on a joke, mm-hmm. I can't just like, oops, I forgot what joke I'm working on, you know. So I think there's still like a lot yeah. of that stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. So you're very like logical. Yeah, I think uh, so. I mean, I think the key to with a lot of like stand up is you have to be that 
regimented about it, but then like appear like you're just coming up with it, you know? So it's kind of, mm-hmm. that's the nature. That's what's kind of hard, I guess, maybe about performing and specifically stand up comedy is that it's sort of built into the profession to look like you're unprepared or like a natural, you know, but nobody, I think it's, I think it's like kind of a secret yeah. to that. Like uh, the minute you're in it, then you realize, oh, okay, nobody's a natural and you just have to realize that like, it's not going to come naturally. So you do have to work hard, you know, yeah. but uh, a good comic, it does look like, oh wow, they're just woke up and are so funny. <laughs> I know. So, so yeah. That is what it looks yeah, like. It's, good. it's funny because when you do stand up, it looks like you just thought of that joke at that right. moment and you're just telling a fresh oh, yeah. story where in reality, like you've worked on it. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. In reality, I've said it like a hundred times. I'm so sick of it. I need to write <laughs> new jokes. <laughs> but yeah, you have to yeah. come off like, oh, this is like in the moment. We're all doing this in the moment, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So the next question is from Iona. She asked, how did you overcome being shy and talk to an audience at such a young age? Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess I just did the whole, you know, it's the delusional thing, but I just went out of where I was that shy person. I think it's like always good to change your environment or whatever, right? That's if you want to like change mm-hmm. your inside, change your asset or whatever people say. But um, oh, yeah. But yeah, totally. I think because I went to like, yeah, right. Like when I went to this comedy club, it wasn't like I had anybody who knew me as that shy person in the audience. So for all they knew, I was this loud comedian person right so that's kind of what I liked about it is it kind mm, of gave like me... it allowed you to be different yes, yes it kind of like gives you that um uh, like going to a new school kind of vibe like oh who am I gonna be today you know um, oh, totally and so yeah yeah that's like that was key for me I think okay and then one more question is from Roxanne what's a joke you thought was really funny but wasn't very well received oh interesting um <laughs> a lot of them. <laughs> All my jokes, I'm like, oh, this is going to kill. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't understand what you're talking about. Um, oh. <laughs> well, let's see. Let's see. I don't know. I guess I, like, have various jokes. Oh, man. I also... Uh, yeah, I feel like I try to block them out of my brain. But um, <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. No, I have... Yeah, I guess, like, I don't know. The most recent one, I, like, had a one joke I'm trying to work on about, like, going to visit my grandma. And she's, like, super old, so she can't hear. And, like, I don't know. I'm just trying to say like I call her you know like she doesn't hear my voice on the other end so it's like it like what does she think who does she think is calling her like I don't know it didn't really work out I think I just need to work on it more I think there's something in there <laughs> but um you know again delusions delusions <laughs> is that how it um, works kind of like, like yeah I'll just I have a premise and then I like sometimes I'll write the full joke out before I go on stage sometimes I will go on stage and try to figure out what is funny in the moment but but like and but that's not going to be at a big show that I'm like uh, oh this is so important I'm going to do that at like a, a small show right but most of the right. time I don't find that funny thing yeah. so so I do have to really like either abandon it or think about it more you know it depends how important it is yeah the creative process okay so now I'm going to go do some rapid fire questions and just answer whatever is on the top of your mind okay sounds good ready yes okay what does your dream life look like oh god <laughs> Okay, dream life. You know, I think being very busy on a lot of like comedy projects and connecting with like an audience, I think is is the dream life. And then I guess on the on the life side, I want to have a dog. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, that dream life with that dog and, you know, preferably like a French bulldog that has no health problems, Aww. you know, <laughs> and is like morally raised. I don't know. I have no idea. I think it, that's a fantasy. But um, yeah. Yeah, you know, that's all great. That's probably primarily, I want to have a family at yeah. some point, you know, that would be great. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> okay, what is one book or resource that you recommend to everybody? 
Oh. Uh, man, I say this a lot, and I'm sure you've maybe gotten this answer a lot, but I did read a while back. I read The Defining Decade, mm. which is sort no, of like I haven't a book read about that. your 20s. Oh, okay, so it was like a, it's kind of, maybe it's a little dated now, but it was a sort of psychologist going through some case studies of people in their 20s and like, I, I think mm. it, it's not restricted to reading it for your 20s or in your 20s, but, but it was like helpful, kind of took some of the pressure off, but also applied some of the pressure. <laughs> but mm. it was good. It had a lot of good perspective. I mean, I still think about some of the things they said in there. So yeah, it's a good book. Awesome. We'll recommend that or link that in the blog post. What is one habit that has changed your life? Maybe in recent times, I do feel like, oh, okay, this is a funny one, but watching The View. <laughs> <laughs> Why? You, um, okay, so it's embarrassing, but it's on YouTube. Like, I don't have regular TV, like who does? But it is on yeah. regular TV, but it's on YouTube, the clips. I think because I don't check the news, I just watch The View. They have the major news headlines that you need to know, but <laughs> they deliver them. It's like Whoopi Goldberg. Like, you, everybody loves her. You know, it, it's Joy Behar. She's cracking jokes. Mm. So, so mm-hmm. you get it in a funny way. They're all women. It's like a good way to get the news without anybody being you know annoying and serious and dark and sad yeah. and it's like a bright way to like watch a couple clips at the beginning of the mm-hmm. day and get some like women's voices in your head you know instead of all this other bullshit yeah, <laughs> yeah uh-huh. I love that yeah. what is the best life or career advice you've ever gotten so I don't know if it's the best but it's definitely the one that's freshest in my head is that like it doesn't get better oh no that's like so dark but <laughs> but I think like from us it was somebody who's also creative Dan aka Dan is mm-hmm. his like he's a rapper uh, I know Dan, Dan yeah okay great yeah so he like is obviously further along and like has been doing a creative multifaceted thing for a long time and so I think he was saying like you know don't expect it to suddenly flip the switch and like oh this is what I was working towards my whole life it makes sense now you know it's like there's always going to be some sort of constant like oh what's the next thing you know and that's sort of the excitement of it so yeah. it's like maybe a darker way to say like it's about the journey but yeah it doesn't get better mm. <laughs> it's so okay sad. cool it's okay I get the point though but yeah right you're not holding out for like to feel happy like be happy now you know? yeah yeah all right finish the sentence the most amazing part about life is oh god <laughs> <laughs> that's it no um <laughs> i would say people <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah that's short enough people other people <laughs> cool where can they find you online yeah i guess uh instagram and twitter is my name sierra Cotto, one word and i got a website where i list all my live show dates too for like stand up and stuff and instagram i'm on the most let's be real <laughs> and yeah and this has been great thank you so much for having me on eileen this is really exciting a great way to you know chat on a wednesday and have a good start of the year i'm just don't put too much pressure on yourself you know that's like a big thing i'm trying to do <laughs> yeah thanks for coming on yeah awesome well thank you so much sierra have a great rest of your week and i'll be watching your stand up online <laughs> all right thanks thanks so much <laughs> bye all right, I hope you liked that interview with Sierra Kato. Again, make sure you check her out online, follow her Instagram, watch her stand-up. After talking to her, I feel like she has a pretty good mindset. She has a good head on her shoulders. I love her view on failure, that she says she's a bit delusional about failure. I just think she's lighthearted about it, which is ideal. Even though failure does hurt, she doesn't take it super seriously, and she just picks herself back up and keeps going, which is the best thing that you can do. She also knows to focus on the work and the journey, which as a creative is super important. You don't want to get caught up in the numbers and the surface level like material things. 
it really comes down to just like sitting down, writing, getting to work, improving your craft again and again and again until you become a better performer, a better creative. I also love that she talks about doing both comedy and web developing because she shows that you can have multiple passions and pursue them at once, not only because of financial reasons, but because sometimes you need a break from your creativity and sometimes you need to do different things to to learn different lessons and those lessons can cross over and help you in all of your other areas of life. Let me know what you thought of this podcast episode. Feel free to tweet me at Lavendaire. We can get a conversation started over there. I'm going to try to use Twitter more. I feel like that's an ideal place to have a conversation about things if you're not in our Facebook group. So I'll talk to you guys in the next episode. Bye! Alright, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to The Lavender Lifestyle. If you like this podcast, please show your support by leaving a review on iTunes. Next, make sure you check out the 2019 Artist of Life workbook and the Daily Planner by Lavender on my website, lavender.com shop. Lastly, you can catch me on YouTube and Instagram at Lavender, where I have even more content for the artist of life. Sending you so much love. Bye!